Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Hello there, and welcome to Circling the Bases podcast, proudly a part of NBC Sports Edge. I am Colin Henderson. Joining me today, as always, is Chris Crawford. Chris, happy birthday, bud. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I'm uh, 38 going on 122 and uh, happy to be doing something fun for my birthday. There's not a lot of fun stuff you can do on your birthday during the pandemic, so you might as well record a baseball podcast, right? Yeah, I don't think there's anybody who's been able to genuinely celebrate their birthday quite like they've wanted to. But I'll no. say in the in the past year, time means absolutely nothing. So you're 38 exactly. years turning on 100 might as well be anything. It's an irrelevant yeah, I, I, number at this point. I, You know what sucks or stinks, I should say, is that – but and this is first world problems. But my birthday was basically two days before the start. I was about to ask that, yeah. actually started. So, like, this is just basically a one-year reminder of – how terrible things are. But today, uh, for people who are listening to the podcast in the morning, I'm getting my vaccination for shot. So I'm there super excited about that. And uh, yeah, things are things are finally starting to look on the up and up. And we're pretty darn close to some baseball too. Good. Yeah, I know. I can't wait. Uh, just to recap from everyone out there, Chris and I continue are continuing to kind of cover the main stories from spring training like we have the last few weeks. Meanwhile, DJ and Drew are crushing out their positional preview episodes and are almost done with it. They just did a two-parter on starting pitchers, and they have relievers coming up, which I don't envy them for that show because that's got to be a miserable show to do. But fortunately, they got the short straw on that one, and we get to just talk about the fun stuff around spring training. So let's hop right into it with um, really, I think, maybe the two last free agents on – the market finally finding homes. It only took to early March, but we finally got there as Jake Odorizzi. He signs with the Astros. He signs a two year, $20.25 million contract with a player option for 2023. So he can earn up to a total of 30 million over the three seasons. Um, he becomes hugely important for Houston in the wake of a Framber Valdez potentially being out for the year with a finger injury and Forrest Whitley, the continual roadblock that is the career of Forrest Whitley. It looks like he might be down for, if not the entire year, most of it. So suddenly a real need for Houston and Odorizzi is a pretty nice option to still be out there for them to sign. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as soon as, you know, we've got some of the word about uh, the injury problems, it became just a, a perfect fit between those mm-hmm. two. And it, it's a shame that Odorizzi had to wait this long to sign because, you know, he, he should have had more offers and, and who knows exactly what he was being offered, but uh, I'm glad he was able to finally find something. And I think it's a great fit. Um, 
I don't love that part for any pitcher, mm-hmm. but I think Odorizzi can handle it. Um, a guy who doesn't throw super hard, but misses bats. Uh, in his full season in 2019, he ranked in the 73rd percentile in K percentage, ranked in the 66th percentile in uh, whiff percentage. So not only getting people to take pitches with deception, but also getting people to swing and miss. Ranked high and expected on base average and expected ERA. This is a good pitcher. And, you know, He's still only 30 years old. It seems like Jake Odorizzi has been around for a lot longer than that. But he's had success, and he's had success at a couple different levels. You might be tempted to look at his 2019 or 2020 season and uh, temper expectations. And if you want to temper expectations, that's fine. It just shouldn't be based off 2020. The sample size is just way too small. Uh, But I like Odorizzi. He's more of a a back-end guy on a fantasy staff to me, but – uh, I think that this is a nice fit behind a decent lineup. Should be a team that's competing. Um, it could have been a lot worse anyway. Could have been a lot worse. He could have ended up on a you know a Tigers to fill out a rotation sure. kind of move. So it's nice that he falls with Houston. He had right. he ends up going to a spot where wins should be available to him. Yeah. Um, a few things like you said, looking back at 2019, which is the last year we've seen him in a full season, right. 15 and seven. With a 351 ERA, 178 strikeouts and 159 innings. You like those numbers. Oh, he was sure. an all-star. Um, you what you I think a number that you really liked from 2019 was that he put a career low of only 16 home runs allowed. That was his lowest right. homer per nine. Um, first time less under one. However, like you said, he's moving to Houston, and Houston is not the same is not the same pitcher's park as Minnesota is. So that you expect that number to probably bump up a little bit. However, sure. it should be noted that when we talk about when we talk about pitchers in today's game, he has been remarkably consistent in terms of innings pitched per year. At least 143 right. innings pitched from 2014 to 2019, and at least 160 innings pitched in every year except for 2017 over that span. So he is out there. He is going to get you innings. And in a world where we find guys struggling to be eligible for wins and quality starts, Odorizzi might be a guy who can kind of get you some of those when the, I I keep using Blake Snell as the example from last year who couldn't complete five innings. Uh, You know, Odorizzi suddenly might be out there for a full six, which might help you quite a bit. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in quality start leagues. He's a guy yeah. that I, I really like because it seems very likely that he's going to give you a lot of six inning, three run starts. And that's <laughs> yeah. not, you know, elite numbers by any means that even to 4.50 ERA. Um, I'm very, very good at math, but uh, it, 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 I, I like this fit. I, I really think that he's probably, you know, we're, we're doing our, our top 60 starting pitching rankings. If I had a chance to redo them, I'd probably put him in that top 60 now. top 70 somewhere around there either way that's putting you on a fantasy staff usually in 12 team leagues so yeah I I think Odorizzi uh for those who did their draft already I'd be looking to pick him up on a free agent market uh, on the free agent market and maybe even willing to bid some fab on him as well just because really like the the fit for him in Houston in terms of being able to pick up wins Other big signing, Jackie Bradley Jr. finds a home with the Milwaukee Brewers. He signs a two-year, $24 million contract. That second year is a player option, so this could be just a one-year deal. Uh, He's expected to play a lot of right field uh, with Lorenzo Cain in center. However, Cain being banged up right now with a quad injury, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. could start the year as the center fielder and then probably move over to right field when Cain gets healthy. Bradley hit 
a pretty respectable 283, 364, 450 with seven homers and five stolen bases over 55 games in 2020. However, there are some underlying metrics that weren't particularly stellar. 21st percentile in expected batting average, 23rd percentile in expected slugging, 34th percentile in hard hit percentage, and 40th in exit velocity. So kind of a little bit of luck last year. I'm not sure if you can count that over into this year. Look, we all know Jackie Bradley Jr. is an unreal defender. And if defense had any part in fantasy, Jackie Bradley Jr. would be really, really relevant. But because it is not, he has just yet to put together a real complete offensive season. And it will be hard for me later in the draft, and you can get him pretty late. It'll be hard for me to kind of reach to to draft him at all just because I'm not sure there's that much of an offensive ceiling out there that is going to make him good, uh, at least good enough to be on a fantasy roster all year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is kind of like if we put a picture next to the dictionary of real life player and not (laughs) fantasy player, it'd probably be Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, You know, I just don't trust him enough offensively. There have been some solid offense. I wrote about this in the Daily Dose that, you know, he has a couple seasons where complete seasons where his OPS is above 800. And, you know, if you get that from him, as well as those 15 to 20 steals, that's great. I just can't count on him to do that. And I also kind of question, you know, Milwaukee small market team paying him a a pretty good uh, amount of money. So I expect him to be a regular, but I do wonder if there'll be days where he gets some days off where they want to get Avisail Garcia's bat into the lineup or um, just want to keep him fresh, you know? So I'll I'll be interesting to see on that. I, I think the biggest fantasy impact here is I do think Milwaukee pitchers take a little bit of a step up here because if Kane is healthy, an outfield defense of Yelich, Kane, and Bradley yeah. is really, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go get it. And, you know, Corbin Burns and, and Brandon Woodruff, you know, most of the time they're striking guys out. But, you know, for those – when those cases where they do get uh, something that uh, – goes goes into that gap you can do a lot worse than those two or those three chasing it down so i do think that there is some fantasy relevance in that regard um but as as terms of of hitting i just don't see how we can call uh jackie bradley jr anything more than a a bench guy in nl only leagues in a mixed league i'm out okay so let's hop over to some of the early spring injuries Unfortunately, there's a bunch of them right at the beginning of spring, which tends to happen every year. But for whatever reason, I think after last year and just the injury bug that went around and now this year, I just I'm starting to worry a little bit more as we get into this. And let's start with Yankees reliever Zach Britton. He's going to undergo arthroscopic surgery on his elbow. SNY's Andy Martino reports that Britton will be shut down for six weeks and won't be ready to return to live action for three to four months. That's a real blow to obviously the Yankees, but from a fantasy perspective, it's a blow to Britain. Britain's one of those, I think those few relievers out there who I should say non-closer relievers who are still fantasy relevant simply because of the strikeouts that he puts up and the other metrics. And also because anytime that Chapman is not closing a game, Zach Britton is. And if you're a closer for the Yankees, that's great. However, that's going to put him down for at least half the year which obviously takes him off fantasy relevance until then. Um, A bigger blow to the Yankees than anything else in a fantasy team, but losing Britain, if you have drafted him at all, if you're in a holds league and Britain and you drafted Britain, that's a pretty big blow to you there. 
Yeah, it's a bummer. And, and Britton is one of the the better setup relievers, a guy who'd be closing on a, a wide variety or large majority of teams. Wide variety would have worked too, I guess. But uh, yeah, that's that's a guy, unfortunately, that you could just give up on for 2021 at this yeah. point because there's going to be options that are similar to Britain. Um, maybe a few Yankee relievers that had a little bit of value. Kind of wonder just personally if they're – Yankees are wondering if that Adam Adovino trade is something they might want to redo. Yeah. So, but, um, but you can't do that. That's not legal. I've tried to do it in many fantasy leagues. No, Um, but yeah, that's, it's a bummer for the Yankees. It doesn't have a huge fantasy impact just because, you know, he wasn't going to get a ton of save chances with, with Chapman likely to be that stopper, but unfortunate to see because it it is fun to watch Britain pitch. Um, I think the only person who disagrees with that is apparently Buck Showalter. Shots That's fired. very true. That is a, shots that was some fired. shots fired stuff right there. <laughs> yeah. Alex Sorry. Bregman is quote down on his strength in his hamstring. Uh, he hurt his hamstring running drills back in January and it still hurts. Dusty Baker has said that it looks like he, Bregman will be out for a little bit longer, at least sat down. He's going to be kind of shut down for a week or so. I, I think this puts at least his ability to start opening day, at least in question, He's still not running bases. So just something to keep an eye on as we get a little closer to the year. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of those things where if you have Bregman and another third baseman that you're kind of debating mm-hmm. when you're heading into the draft, maybe you give the uh, the upper edge to him. To me, like I've, I've done a few of these uh, draft thingy dingies and uh, just, a one few. Of the, just a few, but just uh, a few. one of the most, yeah, just a smidgen of them. Uh, one of the tough decisions I honestly think is Rando, uh, Anthony Rendon versus Alex Bregman. I think they're very similar offensive players um, in a points league. I like Bregman a little more because he's going to draw a few more walks, but to me, if you're doing that debate right now, I think Anthony Rendon goes ahead mm-hmm. because I think he's a little bit more, there's a little less risk involved in that, even though I think uh, Houston's lineup overall is better. So a better chance for run production, but hopefully Bregman's okay. Um, I think we forget in 2019, this guy looked like he was going to be a super duper mm-hmm. star um, and, and wasn't great in 2020, but again, it's hard to take too many things seriously, but yeah, just, just something that you're going to want to monitor as you're drafting later to see if he's back in cactus or Grapefruit League. Houston should be in the Arizona, but they're not. But yeah, but Houston, uh, definitely something you want to be cognizant of because you're going to have to use a top 40 pick to draft him. Anthony Rendon on top of that, jacking one out of the park, just crushing one the other day. So he looks pretty locked in so far in this season. If you're telling me the opportunity between Bregman and uh, Rendon with Bregman's injury, you're right. I think I might lean towards Rendon on that. Uh, Miles Mikolas will undergo more tests on his right shoulder. He will not be ready for the start of the season. This is starting to become a trend with him. He missed all of 2020 due to hip flexor tendon strain in his right elbow. Now it's his shoulder. I, I don't know if there's any way that you could draft him in a regular mixed league. I just don't. There's better options out there and people that we've seen at some point in the last year plus and that we'll see sooner than we will see him. Look, we he had a phenomenal year just a few years ago, but since then has really kind of come back down to earth, not only in terms of production, but kind of mostly based on injury. Uh, so from a fantasy perspective this year, he's a guy who I might keep an eye out yeah. you know, after the draft, but until I have a better idea of his health, he's not going to be on any of my teams. 
I'm just telling you right now, I'm not drafting any St. Louis pitchers this year because I don't know. There's so much. Um, Someone get Drew Silva on the phone. Someone yeah, get Drew Silva on the phone. Drew, if you're listening, the pizza's bad too. Um, the, <laughs> uh, the, there's just like, there's no set roles in here. Unless I'm getting Adam Wainwright at the very end of my 25 person draft, maybe I'm taking a, a, a flyer on him. I can't draft any of these pitchers because they all have injury concern. Um, they all there. It's, it's all se- seems like every starter is also possible for a relief role and every reliever is possible for a starting role. Um, Jordan Hicks would be the most interesting to me yeah, other, but, but yeah, but no guarantee that he's going to be the closer too. You got Giovanni Gallegos and you have uh, Alex Reyes, I think might be in that mix too. Boy, his stuff has just looked filthy so far. But officially, back, back to, they just officially yeah. came out today and said that he will start the season at the at the very least start the season, if not take the entire season in the bullpen. Alex Reyes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. then not put into that option as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, if he's similar to a, a Kopech and maybe kind of thinking maybe Logan Gilbert might be this option who we'll talk about in a little bit too. Um, that, that two winning guide for relievers, but yeah, I just can't trust any of these St. Louis pitchers and the, it's not the, a case of talent. All of them have the upside to be mm-hmm. mid rotation type starters, but w- especially with this injury now, I, I am clear out uh, on Nicholas for, for 2021 at the very best, he's going to be a streaming option for me. Yeah, uh, Jack Flaherty, the only other guy on that team well, that sure. is, yeah, yeah, I mean yeah. that obviously yeah. is draftable. But when you talk about yeah. confidence in drafting him, I don't, I don't have a ton of it. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's you're drafting the potential and the hope rather than kind of the back of the baseball card just yet. Look, I just turned 38, and I absolutely did forget that Jack Flaherty existed. So I will apologize for that. Go ahead and at me on Twitter. My handle <laughs> is at DJ Short. Um, there it is. But <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, Flair, Flaherty for me, yeah, that that's that's the guy with with the upside. I'm not taking him in the first two rounds, but you know, yeah. in, in that third fourth range. But but the other pitchers that I absolutely did remember existed. Um, those those are the guys I'm staying away from in 2021. Rangers reliever Jonathan Hernandez has been diagnosed with a low grade UCL sprain in his right elbow and will be shut down for four weeks. They hope he will come back at some point this season, but that's hope. He had a breakout 2020 and he looked great last year. Had a 2.9 ERA, a 31 to 8 K walk ratio. He could have been in line to be the closer there in Texas, which would have made him very fantasy relevant. And in holds leagues, he would have already held relevancy. But uh, now Jose Leclerc will probably maintain his closer role. So he's the winner right. from this injury, so to speak. Yeah. But it's a real yeah. bummer for the Texan, uh, for Texas because Hernandez looked excellent last year. And we were really excited to see what he could do over the course of a full year here. Yeah, I was excited for him too. And he was a guy that I was hoping to target in, in non-mock drafts, hoping to target at the end of rounds. Um, if you do a, a sort by in Yahoo, uh, where you don't sort by average draft position, but you sort by expected uh, production, he ranks very, very high. Mm-hmm. Him and relievers like Chris Martin and um, uh, a few other guys are, are the type of non-closers. And he could have earned that closer job, but it seemed like it was yeah. going to go to Leclerc. Anyway, um, he he was he's one of those guys who can really help you despite not being a closer because he's going to miss bats, doesn't put up a ton of walks, issues low ERA. It, it really seemed like he was on his way to being a uh, a real uh, fantasy, for lack of a better term, sleeper for that type of position. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I, there's no way now. You just have to take the wait and see approach. There, there are just too many other guys who can put up. It, it's to to compare it. It's it's kind of like that fantasy kicker, and that you're going to, you know, unless you get the Justin Tucker type guy who is going to give you it seems like 12 to 15 points a game. There just aren't enough middle relievers. They have to be elite to be drafted, and if they have injury concern, hard pass. Yeah, hard pass at that point. Yeah. Uh, reminder. The magazine and online draft guide are both out now. Magazines are in stores. I've seen them in a couple of them. So be sure to hop over to NBCSportsEdge.com slash MLB to check the online draft guide out. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for NBC Sports Edge Plus. Filled with constantly updating draft guides and in-season tools, NBC Sports Edge Plus is a great way to dominate your fantasy league. Best part, signing up for Edge Plus gets you access to Edge's fantasy football, basketball, and hockey sections as well. And as a reward for our listeners, be sure to use the promo code BASIS10 to get 10% off any premium subscription package, either monthly or annually, regardless of tier. So to find your Edge, make sure you are signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus. The promo code again, BASIS10. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So now we are in the second half of the show, and we wanted to open it up. We teased it last week, and now we are coming through on it this week. We have an open mailbag, some... Great questions from some of our listeners, and we wanted to take this time as you guys are gearing up for all your drafts to answer whatever questions you might have. So let's hop right into it. At Keeping Secrets writes to us, I'm looking at young starters with MLB experience in my dynasty redraft. Nate Pearson, Chris Paddock, Tristan McKenzie, and Tariq Skubal are all available. Which of these guys is most likely to be a quality starts machine? Chris, I'll let you start off this one. Sure. This is a, this is a really good question. I'm glad that they brought up the quality starts yeah, thing because it changes it changes my answer quite a bit because I would be thinking a few different guys. But because of the quality start thing, I'm going Chris Paddock. And I, I know he had a disappointing year. And I get the concerns about the fact that his breaking ball is below average at best. But he mm-hmm. has two pitches that are elite, and he throws strikes. I'm not counting – 
any command issues last year against him. It was just too weird of a year. I've seen too many instances of this guy just absolutely nailing his spots. Uh, I like all of those guys long-term. McKenzie would be the one biggest concern because he's listed at 160 pounds, and I think he's probably closer to about 93, 94. No, once again, the hyperbole gets the best of me. But, yeah, I would go Paddock in that, um, but any of those guys – are solid gets, but if I just had to pick one, I'd go Paddock. I it was between for me, it was between Pearson and Paddock for that one. Mm. I, and I think I give Pearson the nod. And again, the quality start is the rub here, but I give Pearson the nod only because I have slight worry about Paddock's job security in that rotation. If mm. with Mackenzie Gore right behind him, this is a dynasty league, so Mike Clevenger is sure. coming back at some point next year. I just worry. Paddock could end up being someone in the bullpen at some point by this time next year. And now all of a sudden I didn't get the same draft spot. So for me, I'm going to put Pearson above him. He's probably going to throw too many pitches to give you as many quality starts as you might like, just because he is such a strikeout pitcher. Um, And also there's going to be durability and workload concerns with him this year, just as they're building up his arm. So maybe not so much this year, but if I'm looking at the next few years in a dynasty, I think Pearson gets my nod just because he owns that spot in the rotation and he's going to get as much opportunity to be the ace of that staff as he can at some point before the end of 2022. Totally fair. Yeah, My, my concern with Pearson, honestly, is just injury stuff. He, yeah. he, he just hasn't thrown the amount of innings that you would like to see for a pitcher his age. But but the stuff is certainly there. And like you said, the opportunity, Toronto wants this guy to become the ace of the staff. And that's kind of why they were going to be careful with him uh, to begin the year. But um, then the other guy, I think this maybe the safest of them, even though he's the least talented, would be Scooball. Mm-hmm. Um, just because like that starting pit rotation spot is locked in, <laughs> at least in the long term. He might uh, mm-hmm. open the year in the minors for things that have nothing to do with baseball. But, mm-hmm. you know, he seems like a pretty good bet. My only concern with him is just that um, it's it's not a flash in the pan thing, but it, it all kind of built up very quickly. And and with those type of pitchers, I always have a just a little bit of concern because I like a little bit longer of a track record. But any of those guys has a chance to be excellent in a quality start league. All right. Next question up. And I love this, this name, the fourth best Nick, you know, I mean, I'm not sure about that number. I know quite a few Nicks. So is I'm this like, the fourth one. I don't know. Fourth yeah, best Nick. Yeah. I know some pretty bad Nicks too. So, but I, uh, so he, I know he, a couple yeah. as well. Let's just yeah. say he's not last. He's definitely not last. Okay. Fourth For best sure. Nick, you know, asks, how would you rank this group of pitchers for 2021? Andrew Heaney, Michael Pineda, Matthew Boyd, and Jameson Tyone. For me, off the top of my, I mean, I think I have to, I think this again kind of turns into a two horse race for me. And I think Jameson Tyone comes on top. Uh, Of all the four, he's got the best team surrounding him, which I think is going to help you quite a bit in the win column. Um, And also Tyone went healthy. We've seen him be very good. The only problem is we just need to see him stay healthy. And so far this spring, he's looked very good. Um, however, I think there's one note to be had about here and it's just something that should be noted his fastball. It's a little slower this spring than what you'd like to see. Obviously guys ramping up their arms, but he only touched 93 and a half miles per hour in his last start. He averaged over 95 in his last full healthy season in 2019. So just something to kind of keep an eye out as we look farther and farther into spring, but I think of those four for me, Tyone is number one, and I think Pineda is probably number two over Boyd or Heaney. 
Yeah, this to me, it's an absolutely a two man race and uh, two person race, even though, you know, I, I like Heaney. And if Matthew Boyd can change organizations and I will note, you know, because it, it, pitching in Detroit is just not a lot of fun right now. I will note that uh, I've seen some video where uh, Boyd has lowered the arm slot and they're they're hoping that's going to help him with um, not giving up a just ridiculous MLB the show type number of homers every year. So so we'll see, but I'm always skeptical of that stuff. It's it's the same thing as best shape of his life type stuff. Yeah. Um, so unless I can cognizantly see it like I have with Vladimir Guerrero, I mean, there, he. I think there's another Vladimir Guerrero that went away from that guy and is hanging out in Dunedin. But I'm going to go with Tayon as well. I have been very impressed with the what I've seen from Michael Pineda this, so far this spring. Um, had his last start rained out, but struck out four straight. And, you know, it was really good last year in, in that small sample size. I think he can help. I think this is very close. I'll go with the upside of Tyon and the fact that I think the Yankees – Twins are certainly going to give Pineda's chances to win as well, but I'll go with his upside. Definitely want to have somebody like Jordan Montgomery in the back, something like that, just in case um, we, we lose tie on to injury. And then also the velocity, like you said, definitely something to keep an eye on. First starts, obviously not as big a deal that he's right. throwing 93, but if he's throwing 92, 93, March 25th, you know, definitely something yeah. else to keep in mind. But long story, relatively short i would i would go with jameson tyon yeah i mean boyd and heaney to me are strictly in the streamer bucket where at least tyon, where tyon and pineda are in the draft in a mixed league bucket and for the, i Absolutely. think that's just kind of a good place to kind of put both of them as we talk about drafts moving forward well said all right at manny most deaf asked the question after hitting his fourth homer of the spring his last off walker bueller is Joey Gallo for real this year? Chris, take it away. Yeah, I think so. And, and I think so. It's not based on spring training so much. It's it's nice to be reminded mm-hmm. of the type of power that this dude has. I mean, it is – Joey Gallo's power competes with any hitter in baseball, and it might be better. I, I All due respect to Giancarlo Stanton, all due respect to Aaron Judge, all due respect to Dave Kingman is probably hitting homers somewhere in, in a softball league. Um his power is, is insane, and I still think we haven't seen it fully in game as much as um, you know. I, I still think those there's those 50 homer seasons capable from Gallo, and I'm not mm-hmm. predicting it this year, mainly because I'm not 100 percent sure we'll play enough games for there to be that um, number. Uh, there's still a lot of stuff to go on, but I love his approach. I think a lot of people forget how good he was for most of. An injury shortened, but most of that 2019 season, I, I'm considering Gallo with a a top 75 pick in drafts this year. I I, I really really like him, uh, especially in an on base league or a points league. He's he's really someone that I want to target. But even knowing that he's going to strike out a whole heck of a lot, that's just going to come with it. Yeah. But again, that power man, I I, I really really like Joey Gallo, and I think that. Anybody who is writing him off is making a pretty big mistake. Currently going 140 on Yahoo and 157 in Way NFC. Too low. I mean, yeah, I, those surprised me as well when I saw that. Yeah. And again, his hot spring will probably jump those numbers up a little bit once we get closer to opening day. But you're right. The power has never been a question. 40 home, 41 home runs in 2017, 40 home runs in 2018. 
and 2019 where basically he played half the year had 22 home runs and an almost one OPS. So he was putting together a heck of a year last in 2019. One of the biggest points, because again, we know the power is going to be there. We know the strikeouts are going to be there, unfortunately, but 2019, his average jumped up almost 50 points. He was hitting around 200 in 2017 and 2018 with all those home runs. 2019, 253, 389, 539. Like you'll take those numbers. If if he can oh, gosh, hit 40 yeah. home runs and hit 250, he becomes a top hundred player. If he's yeah. hitting 200 and he's just crushing you in strikeouts, and if you play in points leagues, that's even harder to do when you have a guy who strikes out as much as he does. Absolutely, you love the home runs, but the strikeouts will yeah. absolutely kill you. Yeah, like that's something. I think that's a big thing to note. If he can get back to that 250 range. He's a very valuable player. Yeah. What he's done so far in this spring, by the way, just to point this out, he comes he comes into this offseason, or I should say he comes into this season with a new stance and approach at the plate. He's kind of yeah. talked about that a bunch. He says he's now standing more upright and he's not rushing himself at the bat. Again, that kind of gets back into the best shape of my life conversation because everyone kind of tinkers in the offseason. But mm-hmm. he seems to be talking quite a bit about it, not other people talking about it. So he's all bought into it. And really, so far this spring, he's looked a little quicker to the ball. He's looked like he's trying to make more contact rather than just yeah. knock it into next week. So sure. even if you were to say, okay, he hits 37 home runs, maybe he doesn't go all out for the power, but his batting average gets up to 250. Again, a very good player who will help you out more than the 140 he's currently being drafted at at Yahoo Leagues. Right, and that's the, the other thing with Gallo is that if you're taking him, you have got to have either give up on the average category right. or you need to have some guys who could really compensate for him. Like, yeah. I would want to pair a Joey Gallo with a, a Nick Madrigal or mm-hmm. pair him with a, a Rymel Tapia to, to have those type of guys who, you know, they're not going to hit for a ton of power. I'm really concerned about Magical's power. That could, we could have a yeah, whole podcast about yeah, yeah, how much too. that's going to work out, but he's a guy who could hit 315, 320, same thing with Tapia. Um, and then he also gets to play in course field, but you got to have some sort of balancing act to make up for the fact that as much, as much as he's made those swing changes, there's so much length and there's so much violence in that swing. Yeah. He's not going to hit for average. 253 is your ceiling. Yeah. And that, that's an issue. That There's no yeah. doubt about it. That's an issue. But but at on-base percentage league, I think that 360, 370 is realistic. And I think, I think 50 homer seasons are realistic for this guy too. I mean, mm-hmm. 40 homers is a lot of homers. But I, I do think that 50, maybe even 55 type thing, at least in pace, is capable for Joey Gallo. Yeah, that one-two of Joey Gallo and Chris Davis there in Texas should be a lot of fun. Those balls are going to go very, very far in the middle of those hot summer days. Fun BP. Let's move over to at not John Domenico, who wrote, which injured returning starter will be most useful in the second half of the year? Chris Sale, Luis Severino, or Noah Syndergaard? You want to take this one? Because I got to think about it a little bit. Okay, I'll take this one. For me, I think I'm going to go with Sale here. And I'm only going to go with Sale more because I know what his heights were pre-injury. Like, I know that Chris Sale, when healthy, is a top four or five starter that we have. We have not seen Syndergaard, while we know that 
the tantalizing ability. We haven't seen sure. him put it together for a full year or for a couple of years. And Severino, because of his injuries, we really haven't seen since 2018. Right. So for me, if you're going to give me if, and I know a lot of people, myself included, who like kind of drafting one of these type of guys, you know, get someone really good in the 13th, 14th, 15th round, sit on them for three months. And then suddenly it's like, boom, I got a free trade halfway through the year. Sale, I think would be the guy I'd spend that lottery pick on just because I know how good he can be. And I feel more confident with him than I do Syndergaard or Seve. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm going sale as well. But I think all of these guys are pretty similar in that. Yeah, this is a tough I'm one. Not this is actually, this is like, yeah, uh, it's it's a tough one. I and I can I can totally see me um, regretting not drafting any of these three players, mm-hmm. especially because they they should be going late if if they're being drafted at all. Um, but I guess I'll go with sale just because I think even if the contact rate is a little higher, he's going to strike out a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, that, he's strike out a lot that's, of people. That, that slider is going to give hitters trouble until he is as old as me. Um, but yeah, he, I, I do worry about, I, I will say the last time we saw Chris sale, it, it didn't look great. Um, mm-hmm. but it was also, you know, again, a, a small sample. We're going to probably have to ban that word from the, phrase from this podcast at some point or have one of those you can't do that on television slime things come down on us when we say it but i just need what i need is one of those uh curse buttons you know what i mean that just beat you out every single time it happens well uh, behind the scenes colin (laughs) has to blate me out so much oh my god it's like working with howard stern it's just it's just so much yeah they always say such nice things about people from the northwest but i'll tell you right now (laughs) it's pretty brutal but yeah i'll go uh, again, Cindergard, my issue too is that he didn't look great when he was healthy no. either. I mean, uh, and Severino has been a guy that I've always had concerns about because of his delivery that injuries are going to be a problem. Uh, there's no doubt that he can pitch when he's healthy. I mean, and he would be a monster return for the Yankees if he can be the same pitcher that he was and it can definitely help uh, fantasy players in turn. But if I had to pick one of the three, I'm going with Sale. I don't feel great about any of them. All right. Let's move over to at Ed Galanick who writes, how does no designated hitter in the NL affect your rankings this year? So for me, I'm just going to say, I think the first thing outside of a genuine philosophical upsetness, I'm not sure that's not a word, but whatever it is that, that we don't have a, Uh, DH in the NL this year, which is just ludicrous to me. That aside, I'd say probably the two biggest things for me would be, uh, and this is kind of like the same conversation we had with Bregman versus Rendon, is that if I'm in a draft and I'm choosing between an American League pitcher or a National League pitcher and I have them valued about the same, I'm probably going the National League pitcher in this conversation. Just again, one less, if if pitchers are facing pitchers in in the batter's box, I want that pitcher. So I'll say I probably rank those guys a little bit higher now. Nothing crazy, but I definitely rank them a little bit higher. And I think the other part for me is a lot of those NL power guys who might have taken DH spots off the top of my head, Kyle Schwarber or Ozuna or Dom Smith, your boy, or Ryan Braun. Like those are a bunch of guys who probably would be taking DH at bats if not every day, at least a couple days a week to keep them fresh and be able to put better defensive players in the field. Now the fact that they're going to have to play most every day, 
the, I mean, they're just going to lose that bat somewhere in the middle of this. I think it, uh, I think it increases their chances of injury and I think it lowers their at bats. If, especially if they just start to play anything on a more defensive level. So for me, like those home run, those power, not only because Azuna is not one of those, but for the rest, no. for like power only guys in the NL who would be taking DH spots, I, I knock them down a little bit in my head. Yeah, that's probably what I would say as well. It doesn't play a huge factor for me, at least with with a few exceptions. Dom Smith is obviously, I think, to me, the biggest loser in the mm-hmm. in the no DH spot. If if only because of the organization that he's in and just the fact that he's being put in a position that he shouldn't be forced to play. I mean, he should be a designated hitter or he should be a first baseman for somebody else. I mean, it stinks. I, I feel I feel, I'm still drafting Dom Smith way higher than I should. Chris's Chris's Dom Smith stance is maybe my favorite yeah. stance that Chris has. Oh, it just I love, it is I the you will die on that hill. And I love the fact that you will, but you will die on yeah. that hill with Dom Smith with your hatred of the Mets for not giving him as much opportunities <laughs> as he should have. There's it's somewhat of that, and there's also um without getting too far into it, there were some people who gave up on Dom Smith that work for a company that I also used to work for that I really don't want to feel good about it. And that's, that's as far as I'll go with that. But um, then the, I think you make a good point with the pitcher thing too, as I changed that subjects as swiftly as possible. <laughs> um, it's not only that um, you have so hitters are going to pitchers are going to strike out when they hit, mm-hmm. they are bad at it. They are really, really bad at it. It's, it's amazing how you're not seeing a bunch of pitchers get a bunch of work at hitting. It's, it's almost as if they know that this is a terrible thing as well. It's, it's funny how that works, but you know, not only does that NL pitcher get about a five or 6% bump in um, getting that extra strikeout, you know, which can make a big mm-hmm. difference. Um, it's also the fact that that pitcher might have to leave that game sooner. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the five inning start becomes much more common. And then sometimes the three or four inning start, if things get out of hand, or obviously if he's getting out of hand, maybe you want him out of the game earlier. But but there's no doubt the fact that they have to leave games sooner than AL pitchers do. And in this era where innings are such a commodity, for lack of a better term, <laughs> yeah, I really, really want, if I can get that guy that I, I'm confident going six innings in the American League, you can't have that same confidence for a similar pitcher in the national league. Yeah. I think that's perfectly fair. Uh, the, the getting taken out of a game because there's a runner on second base in the fifth yeah. inning and not being able to like, that is a, that's a reality that the national league got to avoid last year and now gets reintroduced to this year. So yes, for that sure. is absolutely going to be a factor. And there are certain teams that will let starters run. And there are certain teams that will yank starters pretty quickly no when question. there's someone on base. So that kind of is a, you know, a, a case by case basis on that front. But Absolutely. I think just in a general rule, if I'm going, if I'm choosing between an American league pitcher and a national league pitcher, I'm standing there, the clock's winding down. I hear, you know, whoever's voice in the background, you only got 10 seconds. Yeah. Like, I, I probably am going with the national league pitcher on this front, just because I, I want to see that pitcher on pitcher action. Fair. Well, that is our show for today. As always, thank you, everyone, for the listen. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to subscribe to Circling the Bases wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to rate and review us. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Lie, And you can follow Chris at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. 
Our next episode will be Friday for that dreaded relief pitching preview from DJ and Drew. So be sure to tune in then. One of them will be going insane. I've got my money on Drew. (laughs) So be sure to tune in then and give it a listen. And also make sure you are listening to all of their positional previews. They're all on our YouTube page as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. So until next week for Chris and I, stay safe out there and we'll see you then. Love you, Dom Smith. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 